Welcome to Physicians Helping Attorneys Helping People. When people are injured due to negligence or while on the job, they need all the help they can get. Doctors Armin Feldman and Mike Bummer help ensure they get it. Join them as they discuss the newest medical subspecialty of medical legal consulting. Learn how attorneys can gain a competitive advantage in PI, workers' comp, and medical malpractice cases. Armin and Mike can help you better understand the medical issues in your cases, leading to larger settlement amounts and the best possible medical care for clients. They can help save you time and increase case value, all without breaking the bank. Let's get started. Welcome to the episode. I'm Dr. Armin Feldman, and as always, I'm here with my friend, colleague, and partner in Physicians Legal Consultants, Dr. Mike Bummer. Hi, Armin, and hello to our listeners. We've taken a a small hiatus. I think we've been trying to do episodes every other week, and the reason we missed last week was because you were traveling abroad. How was your trip? Yeah, the trip was great, and as you know, uh, what we did is we went to the Cotswolds in England, in the Midlands, and this is one of the most beautiful parts of England, and we took a six-day hiking trip through the Cotswolds. So there was beauty, there was sheep, uh, there was uh, some drizzle, uh, some mud along the trail, uh, but it was a fantastic experience. That's great. Welcome back. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I asked you about is because we put in our reports when we estimate future medical care about mm-hmm. PRP. And mm-hmm. I think you're a, again, I called you a poster child <laughs> for platelet-rich plasma that has allowed you to go back in and hike and do all that hiking, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to talk about my ailments, but as you know, I did partially tear my right Achilles tendon. I'm not exactly sure how I did it, but I know that I couldn't have taken this hiking trip. Uh, I uh, had some PRP from the doctor that's done some of the other procedures for me, had that done uh, about 10 weeks before the trip. And by the time we got to the Cotswolds, I was absolutely pain-free, no, not limping, and uh, had no trouble hiking our 8 to 11 miles a day. That's awesome. Yeah, our attorney's clients need to get on board with the the right injuries that can benefit from PRP as well, for sure. Yeah, and one other great thing that happened is you visited a friend in Denver, and that gave me the opportunity to pick you up at the airport, and we came <laughs> back to uh, uh, our house, Holly and my house, and it was so great to actually be in the same location with you. For as much as we work together, yes, it it was just great to be in the same spot, share lunch, sit on your back deck, and what what, what of course what did we discuss? We we talked about the <laughs> podcast right. and about our consulting businesses and some interesting cases, but it was fantastic to do that in person. It, yeah. It's now the second time we've been able to see each other in in as many years. Yes. so that's been really nice. Yeah, it, it has. Well, I think we have a very interesting show today, and maybe you could say a few words, Mike. Yeah, today's show came from one of those discussions on your back deck, and as our listeners may or may not be aware, as medical legal consultants, we've grown to learn the language, the vocabulary 
that other doctors and physicians who are treating docs or uh, uh, doctors who are practicing various specialties of medicine aren't acutely aware of. And this legal vocabulary, being in, having been involved in this world, and Armin, you, you've now taught, you teach doctors actively how to fit into this new, very complex world when you when you get down to it there's a lot of do's and don'ts there's language you use mm-hmm. that that means certain things there's it's not cryptic in a way but it kind of is there are certain terminologies that mean things that you wouldn't otherwise think they would mean and or that you don't want to say or ways of writing these reports and you teach that yeah. and that's been you know what about 16 years now that you've been teaching it it's it's been four or five years now that I've been doing this work mm-hmm. and we're not lawyers right but we've learned enough to have this specialized knowledge that's right Mike it's really part of our specialty as medical consultants to know enough uh, about the law like you said obviously we're not attorneys but to know enough about the law in the areas in which we consult that we can really go up and beyond and and do a a great and somewhat specialized job at working with our attorney clients you know uh, many of our attorney listeners are acutely familiar with IME doctors and they know how to write certain reports in the style and the, the things that must be said to qualify f- for certain benefits or injuries with the adjusters and with opposing counsel. Mm-hmm. And in a similar way, we we have that s- a skill for writing these comprehensive medical summary reports so that they're useful and powerful for our attorney's settlement negotiations. Yeah, that's right. In fact, uh, our reports, obviously, they're certainly read by opposing counsel. Almost all of our reports, as you know, Mike, are read by insurance adjusters, and it's quite likely that our reports will also be read by judges, treating doctors, IME doctors, and others. In fact, some attorneys will share our reports with their clients. And I think something else that we've honed over the years is we want to write our reports with a critical eye as if we're opposing counsel reading the report and do a really great job of writing the report in a way that anticipates opposing arguments to our opinions and our conclusions. And, of course, the more experience that we've gained in doing this, it's really now become second nature. Yeah, it it really has. At first, I was intimidated by it when I started doing this. But with your guidance and with uh, seeing the redacted reports, which, by the way, any of our listeners, you can email us at comments at physicianshelpingattorneys.com. Happy to send you a redacted report so you can see what we're talking about today. But it has become a lot easier and definitely a a part of my repertoire as a physician writing these legally mm-hmm. uh, what would you say legally um, uh, proficient mm-hmm. reports that stand up in settlement negotiations because of a lot of the terms and what we wanted to discuss today kind of jumping into mm-hmm. it is just running through even quickly, some of the terms and terminology and vocabulary that we include in these reports. So our attorneys don't have to take our word for it, but hopefully they can 
they can understand through us discussing this yeah. that we have that specialized skill. Let me just say one thing before we get into some specifics. So one of the things that our reports do is they, in fact, they, they help the clients of attorneys get the medical care that they need and, uh, of course, that they've paid for in good faith by uh, reliably paying their insurance premiums. So oftentimes our reports can make the difference in getting medical benefits uh, approved. So you want to start off? Sure, sure. So you know, I went through one of our redacted reports mm -hmm. and you know, we've talked about this before so I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but it's critically important that we do include our medical opinions to a, quote, reasonable degree of medical certainty or medical probability, whatever our attorneys request, how we phrase that. Mm -hmm. And we always make it as if our opinion supports it, if, if, if the medical record supports it the, as a direct consequence of the injury, usually, you know, due to volume, it, it can be auto crashes, it could be a work accident, mm -hmm. but due to a car crash, a direct consequence and in tying this up, not leaving any doubt as to how these injuries and what these functional losses are caused by and that it is our, in fact, our medical opinion within a reasonable degree of medical certainty. Right. And, you know, that reminded me of something else that I should have said a moment ago, which is not only our reports read by the people that I talked about, but we're aware of the fact that our reports are read by insurance adjusters. And so we need to be cognizant of, the, of that fact. And for example, one thing that we want to do is we understand our reports are primarily used by lay people. And so we want to write these reports in plain English so they're understandable to the people that need to use them. Yep, that's exactly right. I have uh, I had a case of a badly comminuted fracture in the surgical neck of the left humerus. So what did, what do we do, Armin? And we take brackets. Mm -hmm. And what does badly comminuted mean? Well, it means fragmented or splintered. And that a little piece of information can help the lay person on the other side of this report understand that even though the medical record uses this the, this compli complicated language, that it's really everyone knows what splintered or a fragmented uh, uh, means, mm -hmm. and so that it just supports exactly what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, and you know I wanted to digress also, Mike. I, for, I'm having all these thoughts pop in my head. Uh, but something else that we often put in these reports, but we certainly talk to our attorney clients about, is that in these injury cases, the treating doctors are all doing their part of the case, right? And so one of the things that we see is that the client's medical care or some uh, diagnosis is missed or the client's medical care isn't coordinated. So something that we've learned over the years is that we want to uh, help our, our attorney clients and, uh, to know that somebody's got to be quarterbacking these cases, right? Uh, and somebody, uh, some physician, uh, has to make sure that uh, the client of the attorney gets the proper treatment, the referrals, recommendations, whatever, tests, uh, information about their uh, condition and overall care. And 
by having a physician uh, quarterback, or in other words, oversee the case, the client is much more likely to benefit from his or her care. And as you know, and maybe our, our listeners know, before I started doing this work, I owned outpatient head injury rehabilitation clinics around the country. And we, what happened was I realized that this was the case, and almost uh, by default, I started to take on that role of coordinating the medical care with the attorney, basically because no one else was doing it. Yeah, the PCPs that we were that we see treating of these conditions or the, these clients for our attorneys are often not engaged in the severity of of the crash in uh, of the event injuries. They're they're handling blood pressure, diabetes, but they're not necessarily tuned in on the mild traumatic brain injury, the cognitive issues, mm-hmm. the significant depression or PTSD, the spine injuries, the rotator cuff injuries. And as physicians who work in this world and have this, this vocabulary and knowledge of all these complicated injuries that occur from car crashes yeah. or other, we, we do a very good job of that. I think it's okay to pat ourselves on the back a little bit. Sure, sure. So... Getting back to some of the specifics, so one thing that I teach uh, physicians who are wanting to do this is don't use a, a canned report. You know, we might talk a lot in various reports about mild traumatic brain injury or rotator cuff cares, but it, it's far better for the case, the client, the attorney, when an original report is written every time. In fact, our original report, it's one of the most important things that we do and for which we're paid, right? Yes, and they're often between 12 and 16 pages. That's kind of my sweet spot when I create these because I'm addressing four to seven ongoing medical problems. Right, right. And the... One of the things that we do when we address all these different medical problems that you teach is there's various treating doctors and surgeons, mm-hmm. and we refer to them with their name, full name, and credentials. It's not just this client went and had rotator cuff surgery on this date. No, it, it's Miss Ms. Johnson is uh, a known, had chronic back pain, and was then diagnosed by Dr. John Smith, MD, orthopedics with a rotator cuff injury in this portion of the shoulder, which then led to this referral and surgery. And we lay it out so that it's a a very clear narrative from A to B to C. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, we understand because these are legal reports, we don't want to have any wiggle room for, uh, if we can help it, for opposing doctors and opposing uh, counsel that's taking a a look at the report. So, for example, uh, I uh, teach that, this may sound basic, but I tell the um, uh, doctors that you got to check your grammar. You know, you don't want to use wrong pronouns or wrong facts or concerning maybe loss or injuries or incorrect dates. Uh, You don't want to use incorrect codes in the reports because incorrect information, that gives opposing counsel ammunition uh, against our credibility. Something that just popped into my mind. You've also taught we don't write 
I believe yeah, this right. is the case right. or whatnot. What do we say instead, Arm? Yeah, it is my opinion or I opine. Uh, uh, you know, I think I might have said to you early on at one point, uh, we don't deal in beliefs. <laughs> that, you know, that, that takes some faith. What we deal in are, are f- objective facts. Uh, and so that lends our ability to give medical uh, opinions. And so, yeah, we don't believe the client needs this. Uh, it's our medical opinion to a reasonable degree of medical probability that the client needs this or that because this is a legal report. All right, let me throw another one at yeah. you. How about using automobile crash versus automobile accident or motor vehicle accident versus crash? Can you comment on that? Yes. So, of course, we use auto crash, right? We don't want to say auto accident or you'll see in medical reports, MVA, because uh, we want to paint a mental picture with our words. We want uh, adjusters, opposing counsel, other people to, that read the report to get a, a full, clear, and to some degree emotional picture of what has happened to this person that's been injured. And so it's so important for us to uh, not only be complete, but humanize this person. Uh, in fact, uh, what I, uh, one of the things that I teach is don't repeatedly say he or she, when referring to the client, don't repeatedly say he or she, this, that, and the other. Use the person's name because the people that are reading this, they read maybe hundreds of these reports. And one of the things that we want to get across is that these are real people with real problems. And if you just use a pronoun, you can't get that. You know, to get that, at least you have to use the person's name. That took me that took me a little while to get used to, but now I can't read one of these reports. Or if I read a physician's report that constantly uses pronouns, I find it to be uh, lackluster. So yeah, I, I I'm completely supportive of of, of using someone's f- uh, name as you refer to them. Right. An- another term mm-hmm. is: Would you please comment on how we often address activities of daily living right. and how that term has legal significance? Yeah. Right. So, uh, in a medical report, unless there's some specific reason a treating doctor probably isn't going to uh, elucidate or talk much about the functional losses that somebody has. So, for example, uh, the client can no longer bend over to put wash in the washing machine or move the wash from the washer to the dryer. That... that is an activity of daily living. Some specific uh, activities of daily living, uh, which are so important to a legal report, may have uh, more basic, uh, have to do with things more basic. They can't take care of their hygiene. They can't take a shower. They can't reach back uh, to uh, put their clothing on. Uh, and They can't stand long enough to cook dinner. Right, exactly. Yeah. 
And so we're going to uh, elucidate uh, these the, the term activities of daily living has specific meaning, right? Uh, and if uh, a client's ability in uh, their activities of daily living is diminished in some way, that's important to the legal case. And along those same lines, would you comment on the use of the term maximal medical improvement? Yeah, of course, as our attorney clients know, this is a term uh, that's used in workers' comp cases, not really used in PI cases, uh, but uh, and it's uh, abbreviated MMI. And a lot of the time, what we have to do uh, when we see a, uh, an opposing doctor's report that says, well, the, 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 this patient, they would use the term patient, but this patient is at MMI, and they're clearly not, you know, that they need further treatment for uh, something that uh, isn't healed or has been overlooked or something like that. Now, whenever we address future medical care and costs, this is a big part of our reports that our attorneys seem to really like, because we're, although we're not certified life care planners, we are able to provide, if you've lift, listened to the podcast, we've talked about this, where we provide within our uh, a medical opinion, mm -hmm. within a reasonable degree of medical certainty, about what the breakdown estimates are of future medical care and costs. And we include a chart with those costs. And we base these costs on a life expectancy for each individual. And it, it's, it's different for everyone. If someone has an injury when they're 26 years old, that future medical cost will be different than someone who has an injury when they're 66 years old. Right. And we calculate this using the Social Security Life Expectancy Calculator, and we take that into account in our graph of the various medical costs and what the care would look like. And that's something that I feel like we are a more affordable kind of middle ground when, when the case is at a point where it's, it's in negotiation for a potential settlement and both sides are trying to understand what the actual future medical picture looks like this, these opinions and these estimated costs can really make a difference. And a lot of doctors, treating docs would have very little familiarity yeah, in this world. That's right. Cause that's our ballywick, right? So, uh, boy, um, I don't want to run too long today, but you know, some other things that we do is certain at times it's important for us to use the same language that our attorney clients use. So we're going to use terms like um, immediate and proximate cause, you know, that the auto accident was the immediate proximate cause of the person's head injury, uh, or uh, use the term uh, that has legal meaning, and not in, as our attorneys know, but has legal meaning in many states, which is more likely than, than not. And in a lot of states, that is a threshold term, right? It means that, uh, that there's a consideration that uh, something is, is at least 51% likely, right? So more uh, likely than not uh, really helps the attorney uh, to spell out uh, our opinion, what our opinions really mean, which, by the way, Mike, I, I was thinking of something else. I think it's really important. I don't even think I mentioned it. So one of the things, obviously, the attorneys know, you know, they have medical theories for cases and they need to prove them up. Well, one thing that's going to help them to 
uh, prove up the case is just our medical opinions alone. Of course, that's not enough. But what we want to do is back up those medical opinions. And the very uh, most important thing is when we can back up those medical opinions with two things. One is objective evidence, right? So uh, if uh, we can rely on an MRI or we can rely on a CT scan or ultrasound or some kind of blood test or whatever it is, we're going to help the attorney to prove up that particular medical case because we're going to add objective evidence to our opinions, which of course includes uh, quoting the medical literature to back up our opinions. Exactly right. And when it comes together, it's a thing of beauty. The, <laughs> right. the, the comprehensive medical summary report is, in fact, comprehensive. And it is, uh, I believe, very well received and very uh, p- powerful and insightful when crafted by a physician. Yeah, yeah. So let me just throw in a couple more things before we run out of time. So uh, another thing that we're going to be able to address are the... Um, uh, argument or the actual fact of a pre-existing condition uh, and either be able to explain or refute the question of pre-existing conditions when appropriate or if it is appropriate to help the attorney with an apportionment uh, with regard to the case. Uh, something else that comes up all the time is the delayed onset of symptoms mm. argument and I think I may have mentioned this in other podcasts but Most of the time, that delayed onset of symptoms has to do with when it hits the medical records, not when it actually happens. So if somebody has a comminuted fracture and they're in a lot of pain, but they also may have had uh, a traumatic brain injury, the symptoms of the traumatic brain injury can show up in the medical records days, weeks, or sometimes even months after uh, the event. But it's not that it started months later. It's that it only made it into the medical records months later. And that's something else that we can help with. We can uh, help with um, explaining procedures, the rationale for uh, procedures. Uh, And I suppose I could uh, go on, but um, I don't want to take too much more time. But these are the things that we're paying attention to when we talk to the attorney, when we interview the attorney's client, when we write our reports, and when we take a look at the literature. It really is a unique skill set. And that was the goal of today's podcast is just to make it very clear that our specialized training in working in the legal world over the years, it, it, it makes a big difference. And we wanted to demonstrate that today by discussing some of this language and vocabulary that we put into our reports. Yeah, I suppose if we uh, wanted to go two hours, we could go through a, lo- Easily. Yeah, a lot more. But um, uh, anything else that you think we uh, just need to touch on before we start? No, I think that's wonderful. I would just uh, ask any attorneys or anyone listening, if you're interested, feel free to reach out to us. Great. Okay. And as Mike said, uh, 
If you have a question, if you have a comment, if you're an attorney and you have a case, you can reach us at comments at physicianshelpingattorneys.com. Again, I want to thank everyone for their uh, loyalty in listening to our podcast. We really, Mike and I really appreciate it. And uh, please let a colleague or a friend know about the podcast. Uh, and we will uh, look forward to having you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Physicians Helping Attorneys Helping People. For more information about the show and to listen to all the podcast episodes, go to physicianshelpingattorneys.com. You can also email Armin and Mike at comments at physicianshelpingattorneys.com. Thank you.